I want to read the word of the Lord. Um, 1 Corinthians 12. Let's see, we'll go verses 8 through, we'll go with 11. And then we'll sort of try to bring everything back together because this is the fifth of the speaking gifts that strengthen out of 11 gifts that are used for strengthening. So let's read the word of the king. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Father, help us. Help us to not be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Father, help us to draw upon this and understand the privilege of church, the privilege of being in the body of Christ. And Father, that we are the manifold grace of what you do. Father, we have unity. It's already there because we've already read that there is but one spirit. And where there is one spirit, there is absolute unity. And yet, Lord, there is an ignorance of what you do. Father, help us. Help us to see. Help us to draw upon this. Help us to walk in the mercy of the King of kings and Lord of lords. To your glory. Amen. You're also going to need Romans chapter 12. I think it's like verse 8. I'll tell you in a minute. All right. What we're looking at is a, uh, is a text that the Apostle Paul starts out with, I don't want you to be unaware about, of this. I don't want you to be ignorant of this. Why? It's vital. It's vital. Why? He's writing to a church. Okay. Why would this be vital? What was wrong with this church? Was there anything wrong with this church? Well, there were some people who believed that unless you were sitting under a certain person's teaching, it was of no value. There were some people who believed that they were so free in Christ that immorality was a non-issue. There were some people who were wealthy who didn't have time for the people of the church who were poor. There were some people who were literally abusing the Lord's table as a time to party. Let's get drunk. Let's eat. Let's have a good time. There were some people who were running around saying you should stay single. There were some running around saying you should be married. You can't be used by God unless you are married. There were some people saying, well, if you're single, you can't be married. There were some people who were rejoicing in the freedom of Christ, even if the guy wanted to marry his stepmom. So where were spiritual gifts? They were ignorant of spiritual gifts. You know what I just described today? 
church in America. That's the church in America. Why? I'm under grace. Therefore, what is permissible? All things. But Paul says, you will be mastered by none. You'll be mastered by none. That's an amazing understanding if you really want to think about it. He's dealing with a church that's got a serious problem. And he says one of the, one of the remedies for this is what? Do you understand that he's coming out of what the Lord's table is? That's chapter 11. He's dealt with it. Here's what the Lord's table is. And now I need to deal with these spiritual gifts, these divine enablings. I look at the church today. Uh, uh, these last few days I've had opportunity to go out to Cowboy Camp and uh, talk with some pastors. Uh, I talked with a pastor who came out of Houston. Uh, had a church of about 500 people. And he started a church plant in Rama, Colorado. Okay, now if you ain't never been to Rama, there's a reason. Okay, you may have been to Rama and never knew it. Okay, and I'm sitting there going, you left Houston. Okay, I can understand that part. All right, but to try to start a church in Rama? He's been there six years and he says, I just don't see numbers. Dude, if you get everybody saved in town, you ain't going to see numbers. Okay, but he struggles. Why? I asked him, I said, do you believe your church is aware of spiritual gifts or do you think they're ignorant of it? He shook his head and he says, probably most are ignorant. He said, you should tell them about spiritual gifts. Explain it to them. Why? Because that is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. We've been looking at this. We've been looking at this a while, haven't we? We've seen that God gave us gifted men. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. He gave gifts of these individuals. Why? The church is important to him. The church is important to him. All right? Why? It is his manifestation in a lost and dying world. Lost and dying world. He gave us apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers, and teachers. Why? Supernaturally empowered people. For what? Strengthening the church. Strengthening the church. And then we moved into, and we've been in here for a while, five weeks, on the gifts that strengthen. We've looked at these guys, these, these gifted men, these men given as gifts to the church. And now we're looking at people who strengthen. Gifts that strengthen. They're going to exercise these gifts. And I showed you, I, there's 11 of them. Of the 11, five are speaking gifts. Okay, and I'll deal with them. You know, somebody asked me, they said, well, why didn't you just give me the list? Give me the 11. Go look it up yourself. Go look it up yourself. You know why I didn't give you the 11? How many times do you look at a gift and say, that's mine? That's mine right there. That, that, that in there is mine. Okay. But you know what? That's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Why? Because I've never met a Christian in my life, nor biblically have I ever seen one who says, I have this gift. You know why? 
Have you ever looked around a planet? Have you ever been around? I mean, some of you, uh, I know Al has had privilege to travel in different countries and stuff like that. You know, one of the things that amazed me, now I've been to the Caribbean numerous times before I got saved. One of the things that amazed me the most, I was standing at Caesarea looking out on the Mediterranean and thought, dude, that is bluer than the Caribbean. And the Caribbean is seriously blue. I mean, you know, you see it on the cards. You ever seen that? You see sometimes on the, on the postcards, you see this big blue ocean. And then you go down to Daytona Beach, and that sucker is brown. Okay? And I'm, what, how, well, when did you take this? Okay? But if you go to the Caribbean, you're going to see, there's some clear blue water out there. I mean, just sit there and go, wow, this is serious. Okay, well, I went to the Mediterranean and I seen that. I said, wow, that's amazing. I remember flying over the Alps. And that, that's some stuff there now. I mean, you know, uh, I've been to Russia. And I've been to England. And I've seen a lot of this stuff. You know what it shows me? God is a little bit on the creative side. He kind of does things. Whoa. Sort of way you feel about it. We were up at the Tetons a few weeks ago, and it snowed five out of seven days. But you know, it was a blast. It was sort of like having Yellowstone to yourself. You ever been to Yellowstone? Dude, you need to take you up a bag of lobsters. Everything up there boils. Just drop a lobster in there, and you got a lot. Anyway, um, you just look at this place, and you just sit there, and I mean, you got these geysers things that just go off, and some of them, you know, this is going to go off in 22 minutes. And sure enough, boom, there it goes. It got this one. It was going off the whole time we were waiting for Old Faithful to do something. I mean, this thing wouldn't stop. Just sitting there and you're sitting there going, huh, how, what? You know, and then, of course, all the scientists will explain to you how it works. But you know what is cool about it? God says, watch this. And they got these things they call bacterial mats. Okay, and that goofy son, I said, touch that, Josh, see what that is. <laughs> he stuck his finger in it. Now you've got bacteria. But, you know, they don't want you to walk around on it, stay off of them. You look around, there's all these elk tracks and buffalo tracks. And then they just cruise around, take a big poo-poo right there in this beautiful place. And then they look at you like, you're in my way. And, you know, and they got them big old horns and heads. And Yeah, sure, bro, go. <laughs> don't let me stop you. Okay, but you see all of this. Why? That's the creative ability of Jesus Christ. All right? What would ever make you think that the Lord gave you a gift? The Lord gave you gifts. Gifts. They are supernatural abilities. You know what? And sometimes you speak. And sometimes you don't. Some of the greatest teaching I have ever learned was never learned by a word spoke, but learned by a life. You saw it in that life. Okay? We think to be beneficial in the body of Christ today, we must what? Open our mouths. Okay? And I, I grew up, my grandpa told me this one time, that it's better... To be quiet and thought stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Okay? And you've seen it, haven't you? Okay? And I bet you if we're really honest with ourselves, how many times have we done it? 
Okay? And we actually thought we were ministering for Jesus. Okay? There's times that we need to be quiet. Listen, my gifts tend to lend toward speaking. All right? But if you've known me long enough, if you've been around me long enough, you've seen there's times where he just he ain't saying nothing. Why ain't he saying nothing? I don't need to remove all doubt. Okay? Because sometimes people talk just to move air. All right? You've got to be real careful about that one. And that's why we're dealing with speaking gifts. Speaking gifts. Here's one of the things that, that I believe that, you know, I, I was thinking about myself as I go through these, and, and I looked at this, and speaking gifts have one thing that's always in common. They never give opinion. They always give the counsel of God. Always. If it's not giving the counsel of God, then what is it? Air moving. Air moving. I watched a guy on the television. Am I allowed to say this? Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen this guy very often. I've heard a lot about him. I've read some things about him. Uh, but I've seen him. Was it this morning? I think it was this morning. Yeah, on the Discovery Channel. Go figure. Joe Olstein from Houston, Texas. I rest my kiss. Okay? Yeah, don't ask. I'm Discovery Channel. And I'm sitting there going, I want to see a tank blow up something. Who's this? <laughs> and so I decided, okay, we'll give the guy the benefit of doubt. I'll listen to him. You know what? He never said anything about the Word of God. He never said anything about God. You know what he concluded? Blood's thicker than water. And you'll love your relatives more than you'll love friends. Cool. See what I mean? And they call him gifted. Dude, I could have done that in half the time. Okay? But don't ever kid yourself. Them relatives will sue you for the inheritance. I've seen that so many times it scares me. But when I look at these gifts, these speaking gifts, here's the key to these speaking gifts. And I've read it here because it, it culminates in verse 11 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. But one, I like that. You know what that means? One and the same spirit works all these things. I like that. You know what that means? There's no two. And when you have discourse, division, schism, you have another spirit working, don't you? What spirit would that be? No, it ain't Lucifer. It's you. It's you. Your flesh raised up, opened your mouth, and out came air. You're moving air. Oh, I can't understand it. Why? What did they just do? Proved the depravity of man. Okay? So if you have the gift of prophecy, okay, the gift of prophecy says, I will stand before and proclaim. Okay? So you may have that gift one time. Just one time. Boom! There it was. What did you proclaim? Be real careful. 
What did you proclaim? I know a lot of people proclaiming a lot of stuff, and none of it is the gift of prophecy. There are some people who are very gifted standing in front of crowds talking, right? I mean, that's a big knock on our president today. Well, he just can't speak. Hitler could. You really want a good speaker? Okay. I mean, if you look at it, the presidents that we exalt had a mastery over communications, giving speeches, right? Didn't they? And then you go back and look at what they did. What did they do? They had a mastery over communications. But what did they do? They could just, I mean, but what did they do? Nothing. Do you know that the gift of prophecy goes forth for the given specific time that God sent it so that a soul can be changed or condemned? It has eternal ramifications. Same thing that we looked at. We've seen the gift of knowledge. What was the gift of knowledge? Oh, it was the word of knowledge. It has this ability. Where does that ability come from? It's divinely inspired. It's divinely empowered. Where will it come from? You have to start first with the word. And I I can't remember who who said it, but it it said, if you've ever read the Puritans, John Bunyan, uh, Watson, uh, there's a bunch of them that are out there, amazing men of God, and they preached. I mean, it's like every, is there a Puritan who didn't preach? And they said it wasn't that they were in the word to preach, But they were in the Word, and the only thing they could do was preach. How many times do you see that today in our our churches or our Sunday school classes? How many times do you study the Bible because you're getting ready for a lesson to teach? Or do you spend so much time in the Bible that all you can do is shout it from the mountaintops? Shout it from the mountaintops. We looked at the word of wisdom. It takes that knowledge that the gift of knowledge has come up with and makes it applicable. How does it work? How does this apply to my daily walk with the King of Kings, Lord of Lords? That's what I'm doing with the gifts. Think about these gifts and how does it apply with my moment, my moment existence? We looked last week at the gift of teaching, but it was based on Teach the teaching. Which one would that be? You know what? People who are not in church are not teaching the teaching. This does not take place in parachurch organizations. He said, I will build my church. And and remember when we were looking at the gifted men, they were for the equipping of the saints. Where would them people be? For what? For the work of ministry. Ministry, keep it. Ministry, service, waiting tables, same thing. Same thing. I see people, remember when we were studying Hebrews, some of you will. He says, by now you should be teachers, but you need to go back to the baby food. Baby food. The elementary principles. And you look at that in original language, and it says, you need to be eating the smooshed peas and carrots. The stuff you don't have to chew on. But by this time, what you have been exposed to, you should be teachers. Teachers. What happened? Pride got in front of them. Pride got in front of them. Teaching works for men, 
men to men. It works women to women. It works women to children. Men to women. Women to men. Children to parents. There's no limit on what the gift of teaching is. Therefore, I rest in the argument that says, I believe that the bulk of Christendom has this gift. Has this gift. You know why I base that? Have you read the 28th chapter of Matthew? As you are going, do what? Make disciples of who? All nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who's supposed to make disciples? We are. We who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who are children, heirs of the King. Okay? How many of us do that? See, teaching is that thing that you may do with your children at the breakfast table. Teaching is that thing that someone may see in you as you walk through a crisis in your life. They see that life shouting the teachings of Jesus Christ. It may be that thing you do to a co-worker. It may be that thing you do with your spouse. It may be that thing that you do with another saint. You may do it in a crowd of a hundred. You may do it with two. You may do it with one. Who does this? Well, those people who know the teaching. The teaching. Okay? Now then, I want to move over to chapter 12 of Romans. Okay? Chapter 12 of Romans. I want to bring this thing back together again because I, I, I showed you these gifts. And you need to go get the CD, DDVD, MP3, whatever we're doing nowadays. Okay? Beginning in verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. I like that. You know what he's saying? Yo, if you're hearing this letter, I'm talking to you. Alright? That's what he's saying. Not to think what? More highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think so as to have sound judgment. Anytime pride stands up, what happens after that? Judgment leaves the sound. (laughs) Okay? They're, They're not there no more. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Okay, please understand this. This is not saving faith. This is, do you trust me? I said that to my brother as he's got ready to put him out. Do you trust him? He said, yes, I do. I said, no, Dad, are you sure that you trust him? He said, yes, I do. Why? It is to that measure of faith that I saw my brother. Okay? You, every one of you in this room have a measure of faith. Some of you have a lot of Bible knowledge. But what is the measure of faith? Okay? And here's the easy. You ever worried? Ever been anxious about something? Did you know that that is a sin? How many of you have given God thanks for forgiving you of your sin? How many of you have given thanks for what He does to cleanse and sanctify you? How many of you have ever given thanks for your spouse, whether your spouse is a believer or an unbeliever? How many of you have ever given thanks for the next heartbeat you get? How many of you have been given thanks for just... I had that 30 minutes where I could spend in my Bible. Okay? That's the measure of faith. 
For just as we are, here's what he's talking about. For just as we are many, verse 4, just as we are many members in one body and all members do not have the same function. Do you get that? We don't all have the same function, but there's a bunch of us to make this thing happen. So we are, so we who are many are what? Hear that word. There's how many spirits? One. And in that spirit there is one body. One body. In Christ and individually members. Here's that one that we don't like to hear. Individually what? What did it say? Members of one another. Wow. What does that mean? When you're not around... You're not serving the saints. When you put yourself above the body of Christ, what are you saying? What's important? The manifestation of Jesus Christ in a unified body of believers? Or you? Well, you don't understand. I have family and I have this and I have this and da, 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 da. really? Really? I see people who want to spend more time with the dead than they want to spend with the living. Okay? You know what I mean by dead, right? Spiritually dead. It's people who haven't got a clue who Jesus is. Listen, if you have constant rebellion in a person's life, that means they're saved. No. No. You know what? I have Christians I'd rather spend with than some of my relatives. Okay? I have some porcupine Christians. Those are the ones that are a little tougher to pet. Okay? That I'd rather spend with than some of my relatives. That blood thing. Okay? Here's what he says. We are members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the portion of his faith, in service, in serving, he who teaches in the teaching, he who, what? Zorts, it should be what? In the exhortation. If you're going to exhort someone, you really should use this gift. Okay, this word, this word that we get exhortation from, I have heard it called all kinds of things and described as all kinds of things. Okay, the literal translation that you see in this text, he who exhorts, it should read, he who exhorts, exhort in the revealed exhortation. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Why? What does it go back to? If you're going to have knowledge, it should be based on what? The word of knowledge. If you're going to have wisdom, it should be on the word of wisdom. If you're going to teach, it should be to the teaching. If you're going to exhort, it should be to the exhortation. What is that? We're going to look at it. There's a a phrase that many of us know, and it's called paraclete. Okay, and that means two running shoes. No, just kidding. Okay, it ain't parakeet. Okay, it's paraclete. 
Okay? Do you know what we use that word for? Holy Spirit. He's a paraclete. He runs around on two running shoes. No. Okay, and it is used to describe the Holy Spirit. You know why? The word paraclete, its root meaning, get a hold of this, is to comfort. Is to comfort. And when you see the Holy Spirit described as the paraclete, what is God telling you? He is the comforter. Heard somebody make a statement. Well, what if Ed dies alone? Where'd Jesus go? Listen, if Ed dies alone, he'll never know it. <laughs> I, do you see what I'm trying to get at? Why? We have the comforter. We have the comforter. He's also called the counselor. I, well, I just don't want to be alone. Oh, dude, what's your view of God? What's your view of God? You can't be alone. You can't go. You, if you make your bed in Sheol, guess what? He's there. If you rise up with the eagles and you go to the zenith, the, the phoenix, guess what? You're going to bump into him. If you go to the left, you hit him again. You go to the right, you hit him again. You go backwards, you're going to hit him again. Where are you going to go? Okay, that is the spirit of God that he's talking about here. Please understand this, all right? This paraclete, this comforter, when I read this word, exhortation, the root is the word we get paraclete out of, and it means to comfort, it means to help, it means to advise, it means to strengthen. I like what Linsky said. He's some Lutheran guy. It's the gift of strengthening. It's the gift of strengthening. Okay? But he's going to strengthen with... The strength. Do you get it? You are to exercise, you are to exhort with the exhortation. That means you are to strengthen with what? The strength. Where does that come from? See, God has given oh so much to the body. Maybe not to proclaim, maybe not to dig it out. Maybe not to figure out the principles, principles to apply them. Maybe not even, remember we looked at this last week, systematic teaching. Okay? He has given some this gift to strengthen, to strengthen. But they will strengthen how? With the exaltation. What is that? I'll show it to you. I want to show you it to you. You want to see it manifest? Sure, I know you did. Yeah, so yeah. All right, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Okay, I just want to deal with one little verse, verse 14. Verse 14, chapter 5, First Thessalonians. You want to see what it looks like? We urge you, brethren. You know who that is, right? Okay, everybody sure I got some... Uh, the brethren, what is that? That's, ain't that them guys? No, that's not them guys. That's you guys. All right? We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. How are you going to do that? Admonish the unruly, he says. 
Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak and be patient with all men. How are you going to do that? With the exhortation. Exercising the gift of exhortation. Who is supposed to do this? Okay. I look at that verse right there and all I can see is the gift of exhortation. You know what I see the gift of exhortation? It strengthens, but you know what it usually does? A little injection that shakes you up. That's what it is. I bring the word to God to bear on this situation and it rattles them to the core. Why? Oh my gosh. Right? Shake them. Get over your pity party. Get out of this anxiety. Get away from this fearfulness. And sometimes you will admonish, but it will be the gift of exhortation. Sometimes you will encourage, and it will be the gift of exhortation. Sometimes you will lift up the weak, and it will be the gift of exhortation. So who do you suppose in the body of Christ has this gift? So I've just laid out two speaking gifts that should be the normative for Christendom. For Christendom. They will encourage you. They will help you. They will advise you. They will always strengthen you. It is an ability to provide comfort and courage to help and to strengthen. In every situation. Why? Because I have not found a situation that exists in mankind today that is not dealt with in Scripture. I keep looking. But I haven't found one. And if you want to fix somebody, how do you do it? Let them cry in their beer. Let them get into the poor pitiful me. You just don't understand how bad this hurt me. Well, they didn't nail you to a cross, did they? No. Then you're ahead of the game. Okay. I have, some of you ain't going to believe this. I have the gift of exhortation. I just left it in my other suit. <laughs> But do you see that? I have it. Why? If you come to me, what will be my response? I'll smack you right in the head with a little book that has a little dent on your forehead that says, Holy Bible. Okay? But, well, ain't this the gift of counseling? No. There is no such gift. Sorry. There's no such gift as counseling. Okay? Exhortation can be a wife to a husband. Exhortation can be a husband to a wife. Sometimes. There's, there's cool t-shirts out there that I won't touch right now. <laughs> I've seen one and said, that's a good t-shirt. If a man makes a statement in the woods and no one hears it, will he still be wrong? <laughs> anyway. It still works that way. You can exhort your kids. You know what? Your kids can exhort you. Did you know that? Did you know you could take an infant in Christ and they can exhort you? They can encourage you? Did you do know that the gift of exhortation can actually be in, used from the pulpit? Every fifth Sunday of a full moon. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. All right? I, people say... 
Well, isn't this the gift of counseling? There ain't no gift of counseling. I've looked for it. He's given you these five. Why do you want? I need the gift of counseling. He's given you the gift of exhortation. He's given you the gift of teaching. He's given you the gift of proclamation. He's given you the gift of wisdom. He's given you the gift of knowledge. And you want what? There's no such thing. Let me tell you something. The difference between the gift of exhortation and counseling. Okay? This is key. This is key. The gift of exhortation always strengthens someone. Counseling doesn't. Counseling doesn't. Okay? Counseling is a process. Here's the problem that I have with counseling. I don't know how to spell it. No. The counseling process that is seen today can work with a believer or an unbeliever. So how can it be a supernatural gift? Has the same effect, whether it's a believer or an unbeliever. That's a problem. Why? My God don't work that way. My God doesn't work that way. This gift of exhortation, you get by them, you're alongside them. You know what this, this is that word that you hear today that we throw around in the church. Then we have our satellite groups and our small groups and our whatever group thing you have. Cell groups. Who called that? I'm thinking that's a bad thing. Ain't that what they were doing with Al-Qaeda? Anyway. Um, anyway. Here's the word we use. It's called Accountability. Accountability. Okay? Listen, if you're going to exhort somebody, you had better be involved with that person. Okay? That's why God created that really supernatural power force that exists under the world today. The church. I'm accountable to the church. Why? Because that's where you are built up, you are strengthened. That's where people come along to help you bear their load. Where is that? It's at the church. It's at the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. Okay, why would you want to go outside the body of Christ, seek out a counselor when God has gifted supernaturally this entity? Well, I know how I we do it. My insurance will pay for it. That's the only reason I can figure a Christian would want to do it. And that tells me a very big problem. What's the size of your God? I'll do it for free. But if you want to bill your insurance, go ahead. Okay, I have seen people with the gift of exhortation that people would call counselors but what i see in them is that they are exercising the gift of teaching the teachings they are exercising the gift of exhortation they are exercising the gift of strengthening and they are doing it through the strength i've seen people who exercise i have seen people believe this or not you may have to go home and chew over this one. I have seen people exercise what you would call counseling literally from prophesying. That would be preaching. 
Okay? And I have seen hundreds go through counseling situations and have no effect on them. Why? Exhortation could be used counseling. It could be used in teaching in common in, in, in an informal conversation. I know people here right now in this room who have the gift of strengthening. Right now. They have it. I know it emphatically. You know why? They strengthen me. Okay? I've actually seen some of you strengthen other people. It's kind of bizarre. I got to give you this one. I was reading Luther on this one. <laughs> and this is a quote from Dear Martin. <laughs> quote, teaching is directed to the ignorant. Exhortation to those who know better. Unquote. <laughs> huh? I like old Luther at times. <laughs> you had a bad day, didn't you, Martin? Um, and you wrote this thing out. Okay? So exhortation is this gift of strengthening. You're just going to come alongside. You know what is key to the gift of strengthening? You've got to be involved. You know what's the key to the five gifts that I've given you? You've got to be involved. Where are you going to get the word at? Church. What if it's the word of knowledge? Church. What if it's the word of wisdom? Church. Where are you going to get prophecy? Church. Where are you going to get teaching? The teaching. Church. Exhortation. Okay, I want to wrap this thing up for you. I want to put a little bow thing on this and see if I can pull this off. Okay, I wrote it down, and when I wrote it down, it really looked... Oh, that sounds cool. I don't know if it's going to work. <laughs> This is the key to what you just heard. These five speaking gifts. Okay? There's a gift of discernment. Alright? And I haven't dealt with that one yet. But you'll find it and it's going to come. It'll fall on top of this. Why? The gift of prophecy proclaims truth. Okay? The gift of knowledge clarifies the truth. The gift of wisdom applies the truth. The gift of teaching imparts the truth to another. And the gift of exhortation demands that the truth be obeyed. Do you see how we've perverted the bride of Christ? Look at your churches around you. Look at your friends who are Christians who worship somewhere else. Listen, I ain't saying that I've got this thing hammered out and I'm perfect with it. But you look at this and ask yourself, are they proclaiming the truth? Are they clarifying the truth? Are they applying the truth? Are they imparting the truth to another? And do they demand that the truth be obeyed? That is the speaking gifts that exist in the body of Christ. And you know what's cool? That all comes together as we minister to each other. 
how many of you go look at a church and you say, who is the minister? Who's the minister? Okay, I grew up with that. Who's the minister of your church? What I see in churches today that quote-unquote are doing what they call growth, they go out and they hire ministers. Well, what the rest of the people doing? If you had a church of a thousand, you should have, oops, a thousand ministers. What do you see in churches today? What do you see in churches today? Why? I believe emphatically, as I study scriptures, if I have spent as much time in the body of Christ as I have spent, that, I, that you can't be saved and not have some type of the gift of exhortation. Why? Because the body of Christ is there for the strengthening of the saints for the work of what? Ministry. I do not believe that you can be in the body of Christ. I do not believe you can be saved this day and not have some teaching. Yeah, maybe just a little bit. But if you're not exercising a gift of teaching, I know what you're saying. I ain't got time to be in the Word of God. And that's good. Don't teach then. Why? Because I don't want your opinions. Tell me what the Word says. Okay? I want you to think about this. Here's why I believe that the saints do not minister. I got five reasons. Okay, five reasons why the saints don't minister. And I'm going to use the word saints loosely. And I'm talking about these speaking gifts. You know what? You may proclaim one time. And I praise God if you have. You may have the gift of knowledge, which you have the ability to dig out some amazing facts of Scripture. You may have the gift of wisdom. Okay, to be able to take some of these amazing facts, okay, and make them applicable to everyday moment-by-moment existence. You may... Have the gift of teaching, I believe that most Christians do, because it says that we are all to make disciples. Or you may have the gift of exhortation that you're going to take all these truths and you're going to make them demand a, a, a decision to a, a walk with. But I think there's five things. Okay? And the five things that I see that stop people from ministering in the body of Christ are the five kinds of people that exist on the planet Earth. The first one is a person who is not saved, does not want to be saved, and has no desire to be. Okay, this is your atheist, your agnostic, whatever you want to call them. I don't want to be saved, I don't want any part of that. Okay? The second type of person, are you listening? The second type of person believes they can't be saved. They want to be saved, but they can't be saved. You just don't know how bad I am. Okay? The third kind of person is saved, but hasn't got a clue. They're always doubting their salvation. They're always in this martyrdom. And and they're saved. God saved them. But they don't understand how big is his forgiveness. They don't understand his... The, the beauty of him and his mercy and his grace. They just don't understand who he is. Okay? You've seen him. Okay? The fourth kind of person is those who are emphatically sure they're saved and they ain't nowhere near being saved. Okay? Between you and me, them are the 
worst kind. <laughs> okay? And then there's the fifth kind of person. Okay? The fifth kind of person. They're saved. They know they're saved. And their primary focus right now is to the glory of the living God with every breath they take and every action that they have. They may not know the Bible from cover to cover, but what they know, they live full weight on. You know what that means? We, we have really cool terms. Well, they have a biblical worldview. A what? I, see what we do? No, man. These people, well, those would be your... No, they're not your missionaries. These are your average people who God reached down and overwhelmed them and they became imitators of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you a question. I've given you five speaking gifts. Prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, teaching, and exhortation. Okay? I gave you five reasons people don't serve one another. Where are you at? Go backwards to what I just gave you. Are you saved and adamantly assured of it? Well, but if I'm adamantly assured of it, isn't that prideful? Well, you have the gift of humility. I mean, do you realize how stupid that is? Well, I'm saved, but I'm just not sure. Oh, you got strong faith, don't you? Let me tell you something. A couple weeks ago, I was at a memorial service, and the big question was, he saved or wasn't he saved? He grew up in the church. He knew all kind of them Bible story things. You know, in his last couple of weeks of his life, he was really, you know, man, he was, he was trying to clean up the slate and get things right with his son. And, and he, he's, you know, just trying to do all these things. And, you know, one night he cried and asked Jesus to forgive him again. But the big question was, is he or isn't he saved? How about your life? Are you or aren't you saved? Are people going to say, you know what? Listen, if my brother Ed steps into eternity, you know what my primary emotion is going to be? Envy. Envy. Daggone it. How's come you got out of this thing? <laughs> okay. How many Christians have you seen when they had something like that happen go into the, what I call spiritual freak out? Help me, save me, please give the doctors wisdom and I can overcome this and this and that. Let me tell you something. If you've got that mentality, I'm not sure you know my God. There's a place where he hangs out. There's no tears. I'm thinking that's a good thing. There's no grief. But you know what the one that just really is mind-boggling for me? There's no sin. There's no sin. I don't understand that. And I live my life with that in head, ahead. That's why I look. You know what? There's a lot of stuff in this world. These last two weeks have been painful for me. They've been emotionally painful and they've been physically painful. And if he goes out of here before me, I'll kill him. <laughs> All right? Do you understand that? 
Well, you just don't understand. I haven't seen the Caribbean. It's blue. And there's hurricanes come through there and make it all brown. Well, you don't understand. I haven't seen my kids, so. So what? You know, my wife, she's leaning on this grandkid things. I'm praying that she goes too. See it. Bye. I don't want grandkids. I ain't interested in grandkids. Why? I have kids of my own. They're evil incarnate and they just walk around. Yeah. No, just kidding. Do you understand that kind of stuff? See, you're in one of those five that I named off. You're either not saved or you could care less about being saved. Or you're being drawn to salvation and you ain't figured it out yet. Or, I, I mean, you're, you're wanting salvation. I mean, I mean let's, really, let's be realistic. You want to go to heaven or hell? All right. Um, or you're a person who is saved but does not understand God and you're just weak. You're morally weak, you're spiritually weak, and you're all the rest of it. You're saved. But you say, I think I need therapy. I think I need this. I think I need that. No. He says, I've only given you everything you need for life and godliness. Or you're a person who believes they're saved and you ain't nowhere near being saved. Or you're a person that when people look at you, they say, what has that person got? And I want it. Or they're going to hate you. Listen, when I get around people, it's very quickly, you know where I stand. No, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat or anything like that. You know where I stand. It is Christ. It is Christ alone. And you add nothing to it. Okay? And my res- the response that I receive is the same that I've seen with my Lord and my Savior. Get away from me, shut up, and get out of my life. Or I want what you've got. Okay? You better get a hold of this, people. Why? This is vital to the body of Christ. If you are going to be in the church today, you need to bow to the authority of Jesus Christ and allow the Spirit who distributes as He pleases to work through you in a supernatural ability so that you individually manifest Christ and begin in all humility serving the saints. And you should be overwhelmed with a passion and the privilege of getting to do it. And if you don't have that, then this is the day for your repentance. Because I do not want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Supernatural power in every one of you who is truly saved. And we'll pray now. Father, I praise you for your word. I praise you for these gifts. They overwhelm me, Lord. I feel so inadequate even trying to to teach them. Yet, Lord, through your providence. Father, help us. Help us to bow, not to intellectual ascension, but help us bow to the passion of our Lord and Savior. May we walk in a manner worthy. And Father, I know that the only way we can do that is that we decrease and You increase. Help us be in that place. And we praise You and we thank You for this time. Thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You for Your church.
Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.